0: if you have the right strategy it will replace a thousand tactics it will simplify everything because you're not trying to dabble with a number of different things and i love the way that you describe it at times in marketing welcome to the unstoppable ceo podcast with steve gordon welcome to the unstoppable ceo podcast i'm your host
1: steve gordon and uh today folks this is going to be a treat um I am talking today with uh, Adam King. He is the captain of the ship at growth consultancy, think like a fish. Uh, he helps established B2B and professional service firms implement simple, scalable business development systems. And uh, Adam's got a, a really unique uh, take on things. We've gotten to know each other a little bit. I think you're going to get a ton out of this interview today because I, he's got just such a unique and refreshing uh, perspective on on uh, how to grow a B2B or a professional service firm. So I'm excited about it. If you don't know who he is, you need to go check out the B2B Growth Think Tank podcast. Uh, you might find me there. Um, I'm probably not his best guest, but I'm one of them. And uh, I'm excited that we've uh, been able to turn the tables today. So Adam, welcome to The Unstoppable CEO. Well, well thank overdue. You.
0: Well overdue, and thank you ever so much. And well, considering you are one of the few returning guests that have been on the, on the show, you are definitely up there in uh, in in, the, in my favorite guests to have come on the show. So it's a pleasure well, to be
1: here. Yeah, this is great, and uh, and so everybody can tell by the accent you're calling from uh, somewhere in the deep south of the U.S. Uh, <laughs> so where where are you located? <laughs> yeah, where are you located? <laughs>
0: Um, I'm just outside of London. So um, I can be in central London on a train in about 20 minutes when we are actually allowed out of our house. But at the moment, we're not because we're locked down. Wow, <laughs> oh,
1: nice. Nice. So give everybody kind of the the superhero backstory. How'd you get to this point of your career where you're uh, running a big podcast and helping businesses grow?
0: Well, um yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think it's anything uh, unique or special. I think it's quite a, a, a similar and familiar tale of um, you know, go to school, study, do all the rest of it, go to university, get spat out the other end, have no idea what you want to do, and then go travelling for a year, <laughs> and then try and figure it all out while you're there. So that's what I did, and then came back, and and I kind of fell into marketing. That's that's the honest truth. It wasn't a conscious choice. It just happened, and. Yeah, worked my way up, did certain things, got a little bit fed up, lived in France, went to teach snowboarding in Canada for a while and, and all those sorts of things that you do in your youth. And then I came back and met, met, a, met a girl, or actually I met the girl traveling in Australia, not Australian, she is now my wife. And um, yeah, that kind of uh, got my feet planted in the ground. But essentially, yeah, I, I then started taking uh, work seriously, developed uh, a, a real passion for marketing. Just love the psychology of it, the fact that it's about people and human behavior and all the rest of it. Did the corporate thing, ran marketing departments, helped start a events business selling conferences in the Middle East and got that from zero to seven figures in under 12, well, just over 12 months and then decided, right, let's go and do this for myself. <laughs> and that's, that's where I am today. Gone through ups and downs along the way, iterations, evolutions, but it's been fun. It's been a journey. So
1: when did you start uh, the the current business? How long have you been out on your own?
0: Um, Cool. Do you know what? I should know this because I started a a few months before my first daughter was born, who's going to be five in May. So probably the worst time to do it or possibly the best time because it puts that rocket up where uh, it needs to go, I guess, when uh, when you you go out on your own.
1: You had a lot of motivation to uh, succeed,
0: I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of people that I... I, I hear that similar sort of story. There's a life change or transition or something like that, and it kind of pushes people. And I think that's a big thing in in terms of uh, yeah, having that sort of additional reason to start something and do something and that you actually want to do and you find the passion for. And sometimes you need that because well, I was quite comfortable to be honest.
1: And you decided to go out and create a business that that helps people grow their, their businesses through marketing. We were talking before we started recording that, you know, I think we both have somewhat similar paths. We, you know, we sometimes have chased the, the latest fanciest form of, of marketing. Um, but that's not always the the winning formula. So um, what's your journey been like? You know, you've tried different things. I'm sure you've done different things with clients. What's the, that evolution been?
0: So the honest answer is when I went out on my own, I just went, right, I'm here. (laughs) I'm going to do marketing for people. That kind of worked because I had a network and managed to pick up a few clients and did a lot more on the sort of strategy project side of things and then realized I can't just do six-month strategy work for one client at a time. (laughs) It's just not scalable. So I then started looking into models of actual running a, a marketing firm and all the rest of it, started going down the you know more of the agency route, a lot of um, you know, done for you things like funnels. And I, I now hate the term, but I have to use it. Um, paid advertising, all that sort of stuff, copywriting, all the rest of it, and 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 used like outsourced teams and all the rest of it. And then quickly realized that I just didn't want to be a project manager because that's ultimately what I became. I liked doing the actual strategy piece and I actually felt that it was disempowering at times to a lot of clients because it was so reliant on us doing the stuff. And if you took it away, they wouldn't be able to continue doing it for themselves. It kind of felt like, you know, I was, I was feeding that business. And if I took away that food source, it would be detrimental to that business. So using my sort of fishing analogy, I now help and teach people how to fish rather than giving them the fish. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. That's a really, I think, interesting point. And I've struggled with it as well. We, we started out doing kind of the, I I always say we were in the advice giving business. We would do the strategy work and then let the clients go implement and we'd coach them and help them on the implementation. But even sometimes that was a struggle because they just didn't have the capability or the desire to become a, you know, a marketer. And, uh, and so we've, you know, as, as you know, and we've talked about, uh, we've kind of gone more that, that agency route, but there's a delicate balance, I think, mm-hmm. because you're absolutely right. You can make a client dependent on you. And so, um, we're right now we're kind of walking the tightrope of trying to be a little mm-hmm. of both, um, and yeah. I'm not sure how that story is going to ultimately work out. So far it's it's working, but I, I think these are important questions, not just f- mm. for you and I, but for the people that work with us. It's like, what involvement do you want to have in the growth of your business? You know, a lot of people yeah. want to totally abdicate business development, which I think is a, a dangerous, dangerous thing. And uh, on the other end of it, people struggle because they can't figure out how to do it on their own. Mm.
0: It, it's it's kind of like cutting off your oxygen supply by outsourcing all of the business development. And I think that there is a time and a place in a a company's growth that you either need to be able to delegate that and have that as a team in-house, and that comes with its own set of challenges, or you go the external route and have it outsourced in that way. But you should always own the strategy piece. You should always at least understand what it is you're trying to do so that you know that when you're actually going out and and finding people to help you actually achieve the objectives that you've set in your strategy, that you're not going to get rolled over a barrel, and that you're going to get sold a, a marketing hammer by one of these, you know, marketing carpenters that just basically have one thing that they do, and to you they're a nail, no, you know, to them you're a nail, no, because that's all they sell. Rather than actually, this is my goals, these are my strategies, this is what I want to do, and you know, we've it's a similar thing. We're trying to now almost have this sort of hybrid. So we have, you know, the business is now much more along the lines of um, consulting and mentorship with some done for you elements to it. But we take a, we take now the approach that we sit alongside you and we actually are partners with you. And we actually have a, a model that we help people implement that doesn't mean you have to become a marketer because all of that is taken care of. We just tell you and show you the step-by-step process and the plan and the clear path to achieving an objective. And we actually sit on the same side of the table, row in the same direction as you. And we actually put skin in the game and it's a pay for, pay for profits or pay with profits model.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I think you're going to see more and more of, of that kind of approach uh, come about Um out of necessity because you know, the, the marketing carpenters who are out there as, as you uh, I think uh, our mutual friend Dove Gordon calls them uh, marketing plumbers. And mm. uh, sometimes that one solution is great. But if, if you don't own the messaging, I always, I always talked with our, our, I talk with our clients about three things. You've got to own the messaging. You've got to own the relationships because at the end of the day, the relationships are going to drive all your opportunity. And Um, And you've got to own the vision of where you're going. Mm -hmm. And if you can control those three things, then, and, and if you're clear in your own mind about those three things, then you can bring in people, whether it's internal or external, to help you get it done. The mistake that I see people make is they're not clear on their vision. They don't really want to be involved in the relationships all that much. They love it for somebody else to do it for them. And they don't know what their message is. You know, Mm. and um, and so then they want somebody to come in, and they think, well, well, I'll hire I'll hire Adam, and he'll do some stuff for me, or you know, we'll hire Steve and his team, and they'll do some stuff, or I'll get some SEO or some pay per click or whatever. But if you don't have those those three fundamental things, you're not going to go anywhere.
0: Hundred percent, and and the way that I describe it is. All of those things that you've said there, that is the strategy. That is the key thing. That's the thing that really moves the needle, but it's not the sexy thing. But if you have the right strategy, it will replace a thousand tactics. It will simplify everything because you're not trying to dabble with a number of different things. And I love the way that you describe it at times Thin marketing. It's like, no, let's go with what we know works for the type of business that we are and the thing that is going to move the needle the most. And we work on those core strategic parts, which is your messaging, your offer, the way that you are communicating to your market and building those relationships and those key relationships with stakeholders in your industry. Like That is a massive, massive, huge differentiator. It's a massive competitive advantage. But unfortunately, it's the hard stuff
1: it is and uh you know it's it's to the point now like one of our filters for bringing on a new client is looking at at their offer or at least their offer potential and i was explaining this to somebody um about a week and a half ago as i was sort of gently telling them we probably weren't a good fit you know what i found i've been doing this now for 10 years what i found is that if if you've got a business that's got an offer you can plug in almost any kind of marketing. We can make referrals happen. We can probably make direct mail happen and work. We can probably make, you know, online ads work. All of it works. But if you don't have some of that fundamental stuff in place, you're toast before you even start. So how do Hmm. you begin to convince a business owner that they need to focus on this stuff?
0: A lot of the time, it's the simple questions around, okay, so where are you now? Okay. Tell me about it. Where do you want to go? Right. Okay. So we've got a bit of a gap. We have to actually now work out how we're going to get there. And if you can see from some of the things that they have been explaining about their current situation and where they wanting to go, if that gap is far too big, a lot of the time it is because those fundamentals, the foundations aren't strong enough to support that bridge that you need to build to get there. And when you lay it out in front of people in that way, and you're, if you're able to quantify some of it, that's often a, a way of of helping. Sometimes I have to get a little bit crude and say, "Well, look, at the moment you've got a okay offer, but it is very, very vanilla. It is similar to a lot of other people out there. You clearly do good work, but you're very, very commoditized. You're you're kind of the same as everybody out there. So all that adding marketing or fuel to your you know fuel to the fire is going to do is burn through your budget." at a higher rate until you improve the messaging and the offer to, you know, to, to elevate you above somebody else and make you the number one choice, get that ideal client, get the specifics around the market, really improve that offer. And one of the things that we do to help people do that is develop what I call a results generator, which is essentially a visual model of a service. So we sell services. They are intangible. They're not like products. You can't feel them. You can't touch them. So one of the things that really, really moves the needle is if you can develop develop that visual model that shows a clear path from point A to point B, and you're very outcome focused, and you can show the clear steps, you can guide somebody through that, there's a couple of benefits. One is it gives your client that absolute clarity on, right, these are the steps that I need to take to get my outcome that I desire. So those questions at the beginning, where are you now? Where do you want to get to? Okay. Okay well, this is the path that you need to take. You need to do these number of things to get there. The second benefit is when you create that model, and with the steps, it essentially means that anything that you create within the delivery of how you get that result becomes your marketing. It becomes all of the things that you go out to the market and talk about. So if you had, and there's no hard and fast rules on how many steps or, or anything that you need. The one that, we, you know, the one that we run is called the Growth Accelerator. Growth accelerator ecosystem. It's late at night and I sometimes trip over. That, but <laughs> it's um, you know, it's essentially three main stages with nine parts to it. So I now have essentially 12 topics that I can always talk about. I could do a talk on 12 different topics for an hour, I could do a podcast episodes, I can do interviews, I can have 12 different lead magnets, I can have t- you know so many different things because uh, you know, an entire sequence of email follow-ups, all the rest of it coming from that one model because they are based on very specific targets or small little problems that you need to solve along the journey of your client ultimately solving their big problem they want to achieve. So it really is this sort of It's almost like a matrix system in a way. It's kind of like you get to really sort of create your own world where you're guiding your client through the matrix that they don't quite understand is even there in front of them. But it also gives you as the business this amazing tool that simplifies everything. It means that your marketing is like, okay, what do I want to talk about? You know, you could go and do a live every single day and you could just pick one of your steps and go live on it. You could write an email a day on it. You could do you know, so many things. It just focuses you. And you know that when anybody asks you a question, you can always bring it back to where in your model it fits. It's, there's just so much power to that.
1: I love that. And, and for, for service businesses, for professionals, people who are getting paid for fundamentally what's between their ears. That's who a lot of you work. A lot of the businesses you work with fall into that category, and, and the ones we work with fall into that category. And for that kind of a business, where you're selling something that is 100% intangible, if you can bring it to life like that, you are now immediately different. And that's the thing that everybody, you know, everybody's really looking for. They're looking for a reason to buy from you versus someone else. And if you're getting a lot of price competition, it's because no one in the in the industry or at least in your market within the industry has given anybody a reason other than price to Mm. figure out who is better uh Mm. your credentials don't do it by the way so i got you know you you mentioned before we started my my interviews with uh, john curry so john Mm. has got more letters after his name than in his name i mean he's got every designation that a financial planner in the united states could have i think and nobody cares and you know why they don't care? Because his clients, and I'm one of his clients, I'm not qualified to even know what those letters
0: mean. It's, it, it makes no difference. It's kind of like, well, okay, that looks very nice, but they have no idea of the blood, sweat, and tears that went into achieving those. It's just a letter and it's the price of entry.
1: Yeah, but he's got something he calls the secure retirement method. And when he brings that out, there's a, a four-step process that he goes through you know, the first time I saw it, i was like, oh, this is totally clear. This makes complete sense. And that's really what you're talking about. I mean, trying to to make it real for everybody listening is taking what you do. And I, the the pushback I hear from professionals is, well, we do what everybody else does. And I, I get that, but chances are, You're kind of opinionated. You think you do it better in this way or that way than the guy that's at the association meeting with you, you know, standing next to you at the bar for that, that cocktail hour. That's what you've got to convey. Like we do it this way because we think it's better. And here's why. This episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast is sponsored by our referral Book Program, where we'll create a great lead generating book for you. If you've always wanted to write a book for your business, but never managed to get it done, let us do it for you. To find out if this is a fit for you, schedule a quick 20-minute intro call with me at unstoppableceo.net. Click the book a call button. Now on to the episode. All right, folks, we had a little... Uh, Zoom, hiccup, <laughs> so we're going to pick back up again, so Adam, just so we don't have to worry about where we were in the conversation. I'm sure we'll make it all sound great in editing.
0: Um, well, I actually think that we were talking about process, Steve, and one of the things that I was going I was going to sort of mention is that a great example of of when somebody is saying or maybe that pushback is going on around, well, we do the same thing as everybody else is um the example i I think it's short beer. You know, the great example, uh, was it Claude Hopkins, the copywriter that has this and, and Jay Abraham uses the example all the time. So I've heard it from many different places, but they went through their entire factory and took the beer from a low selling beer to number one or two in America or something like that. And, they, and, and he looked at the entire process that they went through, every single detail, every single thing. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but he, he was asking about why do you triple filter this or something like that? And they just said, well, everybody does that. It's like, yeah, but nobody else knows about it. And they put that front and center and suddenly that beer went from where it was to a very, very successful um, beer. And just because they put what they do, the same as everybody else, but front and center and spoke about it and made that a differentiator. So there's always something in your process. There's always something that you do that you can really bring out that either you do it slightly differently or not everybody in your market really celebrates and talks about that if you brought it out, suddenly you are very, very different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, yeah, it is uh, Schlitzbier and uh, it's worth Googling. Uh, if you Google Claude Hopkins and Schlitzbier, you'll find articles about it. Um, he basically using that one little thing that everybody else in the industry did turned them into the brand that was looked upon as the purest beer because he talked about how they triple filtered it and everybody Mm. else was doing, it It was no different than any other beer. And they went to number two in the market, Mm. um, which was, uh, you know, that's a huge transformation. Yeah, right. it's fascinating and, story, And it's an easy one to understand. And, um, and so you've got to be a little bit of a detective in your own business sometimes I think to, to find those opportunities. So, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about, um, all the times we'd been sucked into the latest marketing trends. And you were telling me that you really have kind of turned around and looked at what had worked for you in the past. And, you've sort of started going against the grain. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that aha moment and then some of the things that you're doing now.
0: I'm not sure if there was a complete aha moment. I think that maybe it was this situation with the pandemic and all the rest of it. And it suddenly was like, I am locked down. I'm having to do half days with homeschooling and all that kind of stuff. And And I just sort of realized that I've got far too much going on. And I'm also trying to get my clients to do far too much. In a weird way because they're kind of dealing with the same thing so i was thinking right okay how do i really simplify the process of winning clients growing revenue like what do i know how to do what has worked far better than anything else that i have done in my entire 18 year career and i came back to some of the stuff that i was doing right right back at the beginning and i i one of my first marketing roles was uh, a marketing executive for um, an it service company my entire role was partnership marketing because their entire model was working with partners who basically they never work with the end client but they work for the big providers of these huge infrastructure IT projects so IBM atos or you know massive clients but they did the bits those companies did not want to do the call centers, those sorts of things. The guy bought the, I remember the guy that uh, the CEO, he bought that company for 50,000 pounds. And uh, uh, just as I was leaving to do one of my season snowboarding, um, they were floating it on the stock exchange and the guy turned up to work in a Lamborghini, put it that way. So that model was something that was clearly, clearly working. And I mentioned sort of starting an events business, taking it from zero to um, a million in delegate sales in a year. That was all done through what we call contra deals, which is essentially bartering in a way. And it was going to um, media outlets, suppliers, vendors, those kind of things that work with investment banks and doing sort of those deals. Media was a great one because the reporters always wanted access to the bigwigs and all the rest of it. If they would promote the events to their Subscribers, all the rest of it, sometimes in the thousands and thousands and thousands, that's what we did. We grew that over four events to just over seven figures in a year, just through that kind of model. I've got so many examples of that, that sort of thing, but that's what I ultimately came back to. Why are we all being told go down this road, all these complicated marketing, like the paid ads, the fancy stuff, all the tech stuff? Like everyone's overwhelmed, and everyone thinks that marketing is so bloody complicated. Well It can be if you allow it. But if you just get really, really focused, what is the thing that moves the needle? Well, it's having conversations and building relationships. That ultimately comes back to me. And, and, And part of the reason having the podcast, I get to have great conversations. I get to build relationships. And there's partnerships that have come out as a result on both sides. And that is what has grown my business. So why am I not telling more people to do it? Why am I not not helping more of my clients today? And that sort of happened right back at the beginning of the uh, the original lockdown. And that's now what we're really, really focusing on is, is helping people to really know their market, but ultimately really, really know the perfect potential partners for who they can actually work with to essentially get put in front of, you know, it could be thousands of their potential ideal clients every month, every week but do it in an authoritative way because this game that we're all in, it really, really thrives on trust. So you kind of piggyback that trust that's already implied that comes with an endorsement. And there are so many ways you can actually apply this, but if you really get to that and you go, right, what is my one focus over the next 12 months that is going to generate me half a million pounds, dollars in new client revenue, well, actually, I need to get in front of 1,000 of my ideal clients every single month, make an offer to them, and have 0.5% convert if my lifetime value of a client is 10,000 pounds. like When you work it out like that, it actually means you, like, you don't have to go down the route of complication. You have to go, right, where can I find good people to build a relationship, start a partnership with, add value to their audience... Add value to them, their business. How can I do that? And that's your sole focus. You don't have to be a marketer. You can have systems and stuff that are set up to actually then deliver your assets. But really, you know, the, the system that I use it's it's three stages: authority, assets, alliances. That's it. It's foundational. It's build. It's scale.
1: Well, and the the thing that I think most people don't realize when they look at this model because I, I think they they look at it like well I'm going to need all of these partners but what I've found over the years is that it's really a small handful of partners that I continue to collaborate with again and again and again now I'm always looking for new ones you know you and I both use a podcast for that very purpose um, my sense is this is this is now what our third collaboration is yeah. Probably not going to be any, anywhere close to our last. Um, but the podcast for me is, is the way to sort of collect those relationships and see who the collaborators are and then grow them from there. But I don't need that many. And I think that's what, that's what people forget.
0: It can, it can take just one to literally change the entire trajectory of your business if it's the right one. And, and there's different forms of partnerships as well. There is, you know, really integrated partners that can be very, very sort of reliant on each other. You can almost integrate your services into others and, you know, do things as, you know, as as intricate as white labeling and things like that. Like you can go that route. Or you can just have content swap partners. You can have partners that you help generate leads with. You can have partners that simply are partners that make introductions for you, referral partners, um, other partner introducers, all those sorts of things. So you have to categorize and understand the type of partner that you're looking for. But ultimately, it all comes down of going, right, I'm really going to go out there into the world and think, how can I add value to people that I ultimately want to build my own network around and if you go in with that kind of mindset it just makes things a lot easier yeah absolutely so break it down for us so you've got the sort of three a's
1: and <laughs> how, how do you uh, how do you take people through that is there an order to the process
0: yeah so essentially you've got you know it's it's the three key stages as i say the authority the assets and the alliances and and that's really the foundational piece it's the building phase and then it's the actual scaling phase so the authorities all those foundational pieces that we talked about it's it's your message it's it's kind of having that roadmap mapped out where are you now where do you want to get to and then we figure out how to actually get you there but then it's your message it's your offer and then creating that results generator the assets the build they're the systems they're the things that kind of operationalize a lot of this and the alliance it's um it it really is it's about going out there and identifying the kind of businesses or industry figures that you want to potentially collaborate with and then going out and reaching out to them and doing it in a in, in in the right way, not the wrong way, not just going, Hey, do you want to promote me? Who are you? No, that's not how it works. You've got, you know, there is a process to it. And um, you know, one of them is having a platform or, or, or an authority bridge, as I call it, could be a podcast, could be a YouTube channel, could be a Facebook group, could be a LinkedIn group, anything whereby you are the one that is that owns the platform that you that allows you to give first and just have this collaboration. And then the net, the, the, the final part is the, the, what I call the network maximizer, which is really how you sort of build the group around you of those partners and then become the connector and the hub so that you're the one that is introducing more and more people, they're introducing to you, and it just becomes this sort of, the term flywheel, I guess, is 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 well used, but it's more and more and more people come into it. It, it just simplifies everything that you do.
1: It really does simplify things. People people want to make this more complicated than it is. And I think where where a lot of folks get tripped up is they they think where it's like finding a needle in the haystack. Where am I going to find this perfect partner? Right. And I, I actually think it's it's less about finding the the perfect business and more about making friends. Yeah. Um, because I you know, I get approached I'll get approached by people who say, I've got this great partnership opportunity for you. And they've thought through this complicated business model and how, you mm. know, if they get a client, I make money and all this other stuff. And I never go for those things. But you know mm. who I do partnerships with again and again and again? With
0: my friends. Why? Mm. Because it's fun. Exactly. And, and that's, that's the thing. There is no such thing as a perfect partnership either because you don't know if it's the perfect partnership until you actually do something with someone. So it, it, it would be probably quite silly to go and try and integrate your entire two businesses on the first exchange. So why not do something? This is why I love your whole uh, you know, podcasting approach as well and the podcast prospecting and, and that side of things. It's kind of like it's, it's, it's such a low-risk offer, but it's an irresistible offer. Let's have a collaborative conversation and help each other spread our messages. Like it's very, very simple and then the conversation can happen on the back of it and all the rest of it but really i think that if you just sort of focus like for example since we had the um uh, the relaunch of the show it's just gone like people have been listening to it and i've been invited on i think five different podcasts some you know some of them i hadn't even heard of one of them is one of my favorites and i'm on it right now <laughs> it's 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 one of those things that you actually If you don't start doing things nothing will happen but when you start doing things introductions happen and people come out the woodwork and it's like ah like some of these i didn't even i'd not heard about necessarily before but i didn't say no because it's like it's an opportunity to go out and collaborate you just don't know where these are going to go but if you have your sort of process and your system behind it you don't leave it necessarily up to chance
1: well you know i uh way beginning of the podcast, I interviewed a guy named Steve Sims, um, uh, fantastic book that he wrote called blue fishing. And, um, Steve described himself off the interview, um, as he called it podcast promiscuity. In other words, if he ever got invited to a podcast, he was going, because he said, I don't know where that's going to go. I only need it to hit one person, you know? So it's a small footprint on my calendar and it's, then it's out there forever. Yeah. And that's uh, the beauty
0: of podcasts that really is. It's not like, you know, even if you got interviewed on a, you know, if you got interviewed on a, on a TV show or, or something like that, that isn't as powerful. I don't think as a podcast, you'd have your moment in the sun, but it's gone. Like people wouldn't, you know, if, if you were on the news or something like that, maybe you could bring it up yourself, but nobody's going back and finding it. A podcast it's there. You've done over 200 episodes. People will discover your show and like it because it's great and they'll go back and view the back catalog and they, you know, the guests that have been on, you know, Steve that you just spoke to, Steve Sims, people will be listening to that episode still. Yeah, absolutely. And that was his whole point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, I want to, I know we don't have a, a, tremendous amount of time left because it's late where you are and it's a Friday night and I don't want to keep you.
0: I did. But, I did warn you at the beginning that I could, uh, yeah, go in many, many different directions. That's a danger. And, uh, yeah, I, I could, I could continue chatting for hours, but. Oh uh, yeah. We yeah, could keep
1: going. Um, this is a lot of fun, but I want everybody to, uh, hear about the podcast. You, you made. A uh, kind of a format shift. Um, you were gracious enough to invite me on to be a part of that relaunch, um, and uh, had a great time doing it. So you are doing some uh, some really interesting things, and um, you're pulling together um, multiple experts in each episode and then you're inviting listeners to send in their business questions, their marketing questions and have them answered by these experts. And I, as a guest, I can tell you it was a heck of a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, and I hope that the people who asked the questions actually got some really good advice mm-hmm. because I mean, I I even learned from the answers from the other guests that I was on with, it was kind of humbling to, to be on mm-hmm. with the, 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 folks that you had uh, ethan butte and tobin slavin i actually just interviewed tobin about uh, an hour and a half ago um for, oh, awesome. uh, for our podcast so um so you're doing when something really something there. To, yeah
0: yeah right right there that is one of the key reasons behind this new show's format so not every single episode is going to be multiple guests there will be some that is going to be single guests and all that kind of thing but i just sort of thought Every time you do a podcast, you have this entire sort of network behind you that are great guests and your guests would also make great connections for each other. So why not actually co-host it with multiple people that you know could actually support each other and their messages, but also offer value to a listener. And the the reason for the sort of the, the shift in focus was the way that I'm taking the business and helping people is all about collaboration. And I repeat this over and over again, rising tide lifts all ships. I actually wanted it to be more of this sort of demonstration of that rather than me just waxing on because I can go on. <laughs> you know, and it's like, let's just show the value of a collaboration. So actually having people send in challenges, number one, it means I don't have to necessarily think up subjects or topics to talk about because listeners are actually sending it in and it means it's relevant to at least one person out there. But a lot of the time, the actual challenges are going to resonate on a number of different levels. It's the whole ethos behind the think like a fish metaphor of the business. You need to deeply understand your fish because it doesn't matter how much you love chocolate cake. You're not going to catch a fish with it because they love worms. So stop trying. If anyone out there is is sort of thinking, again, marketing ideas, content ideas, all the rest of it, the simplest thing is to go and ask your audience. Let them tell you what they're struggling with and what they want. So that's kind of that whole approach there. And I just want it to become this repository of actual real world advice from very, very smart people. And to be honest with you, from a completely selfish point of view, it keeps my problem solving mind going. And it also, I guess in a way, it positions me to be on a a level of of people that I look up to so much, but if I'm able to actually hold forth and add value to what they're saying and all the rest of it, it's it's a very different, I think. And and that wasn't one of the things I originally started with, but it's already one of the things that I'm seeing a benefit.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. no doubt, no doubt. That's it. And the format is fantastic. The people that you're having on are, are great. I think folks should go check it out. Uh, and, and to your point, I mean, right there. So Tobin and I have been connected on LinkedIn for years, I think. And shame on me for not, reaching out and, and developing that relationship. But, but because you invited us both on, you know, we got to know each other in real life, as they say, and, and, you know, have now created collaboration out of that. So, um, mm. you know, and it's, and Ethan and I had, and it's
0: not yeah. the only one, it's not the only one that that's happened with already.
1: I'm sure, you know, and Ethan had actually just been on the podcast. He's, he was on just a couple of months ago. Um, And so it was great to reconnect with him as well. They're doing great things at at BombBomb. Mm -hmm. So that's the possibility for everybody listening. Like that's the whole purpose of this because those relationships are really what drive your results. It's not that there's anything wrong with advertising or any of these other methods, but for a lot of businesses, until you get the basics dialed in, you're going to have a really hard time making those those fancier things work because you don't have the fundamentals. You don't have the offer. You don't have the messaging and you don't have all that dialed in. So uh, I love the approach. Where can people find uh, the podcast? Where, where can they find out more about uh, the work that you're doing?
0: So to make it really easy, I've got a page for your listeners where you can go to. It's thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash unstoppable. And there's all the links to the podcast there. Um, you can get a free copy of my book, Conversational Relationship Marketing, which kind of explains both the philosophy behind all of this. But it also gives you literally templates, um, step-by-step instructions that you can actually go and apply a good part of this strategy. And it's also a great way to... um you know, to, to, to build relationships on LinkedIn. And there's a couple of other things on there. You can find out how we, um, we sort of help and partner with people to um, guarantee results in working together. And there's some videos, but yeah, just go and have a look it, just listen to the podcast, listen to Steve because yeah, he was on panel three of the launch and uh, 32 of the original podcast, which was the client catching podcast. But um, yeah, go and have a listen. Be great to uh, have you there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Go do it. We'll link it up in the show notes. Adam, thank you for uh, being here. This has been a pleasure and uh, I'm glad we finally did it.
0: Well, as I say, uh, I, I've, I listened to so many of the episodes and it is a genuine pleasure to be here. So um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be uh, sleeping well tonight after this, but yeah, it's a genuine pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.